Welcome to the Iowa Innovation Podcast, powered by Nuboco. This is the show where we talk to leaders in innovation, education, and entrepreneurship. Hey, what's poppin'? I'm Anthony Betters. And I am Rob Merritt, and that is the best pun I've heard today. <laughs> Thank you. Because, uh, yeah, we have two great guests coming today. Uh, our first one is Rachel Hahn, who is the Food Industry Strategic Advisor for the Center for Industrial Research and Service, also known as Cirrus. And our other guest is Sydney Rekoff of Almost Famous Popcorn here in Cedar Rapids. We're going to have a great conversation with them because they will be talking not just about the challenges of producing food as a small business in eastern Iowa, but also uh, there's some really great popcorn flavors out there. Yes, and I am super interested uh, to be able to listen and uh, talk about the innovation of the food service industry, but also dive in deep to the cool, famous popcorn that is brewing here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And it's going to blow your mind how young Sydney was when this got started. Uh, It just goes to show you can start a business at any age if you're really, really motivated to do it. For sure, yes. And so with that, let's innovate, Iowa. Well, Rachel and Sydney, welcome to the studio. It's great to have both of you here. And uh, we're we're kind of excited just to, to get into... Well, first of all, I'm a big popcorn fan, so... Uh, yes, me too. Awesome. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. So right I, I right away. Sample. Are we getting samples? I forgot to bring any, but you're going to get a sample post recording. Okay, perfect. <laughs> I, I'll take that. I will absolutely, you know, that's probably good too, because if we were munching popcorn throughout this, I feel like our listeners wouldn't enjoy that nearly as much as we would. I agree. But, uh, uh, well, Rachel, we'll start with you. You're, um, you're the food industry strategic advisor for the Center for Industrial Research and Service in Ames. And that is a mouthful, by yes. the way. That's a and lot how do you say, say that? Like the actual word. Cirrus. 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 Okay. Yes. So can you tell us a little more about Cirrus and what it does, especially for businesses in Cedar Rapids? Absolutely. So Cirrus, an acronym, the Center for Industrial Research and Service, is housed at an Iowa State University campus, but still serves the eastern half of Iowa. I think that's important to mention here. Um, So we are a statewide center that supports businesses across the state, specifically manufacturers. So while we sit on Iowa State's campus, we're funded in a number of different ways. One of those being the MEP or Manufacturing Excellence Program through the federal government. And that program exists to support small and medium-sized manufacturers across the U.S. So there's a center like Cirrus, at least one in every state in the country. Uh, We just happen to be that for Iowa. So our organization is about 45 people. Um, And we support businesses across the state in every aspect of what they do, whether that's leadership or technology or automation, um, productivity, which we'll talk about later. All those sides through either direct service offerings with our employees, university support through our network at the university, or third party groups that are partners of ours throughout the state that are like minded in their goals. And so when you say support, do you mean you're making connections or you are like direct? Like, how do you work with small businesses? In every way. Um, So I do a lot of networking just in general. So I 
Sydney and I can talk a little bit about that, um, between businesses to businesses, but also service-oriented projects. So things like market research or leadership executive coaching. Um, we talk a lot about digital marketing. We work on some food safety and formulation projects. All of that would be service offerings. We are a fee-for-service organization, and I think that's important to mention. Mm -hmm. But because we're nonprofit, we're going to be extremely competitive. Oh, that is interesting. I had no idea that you all were a nonprofit. We are. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, I mean, I'm not from Iowa, but sure. when I moved to Iowa, I did see Sears' name around a lot, right? I am so impressed by that because <laughs> I feel like I, you know, I worked in manufacturing in Cedar Rapids for over a decade. Mm -hmm. And had no you, idea Cirrus existed. No, not yeah. one time. It's a very strange story how I landed with Cirrus. It's a great story, but um, no, in 12 well, no, years, well, I'd never heard I of know. it. You, you can't drop that bomb and then <laughs> not tell, tell us what the story, the story is. Um, no, so I was working in Cedar Rapids and I was uh, networking and, well, my mentor, Ru Patel, the previous plant manager at General Mills that I worked for for a long time, great guy. This is an obvious shout out on a podcast. Phenomenal human being. Um, but he and I were talking and he knew Cirrus again for the first time and said, Hey, you need to meet with this woman, Joy. I think she could be a fantastic mentor for you. Um, and I met with Joy to talk about a variety of different career things. And Joy Donald, who is the Lynn County strategic advisor, um, kind of ended the conversation with maybe you should just come work for Cirrus. Yeah. And, uh, I said, ah, I don't think that's the right fit. And four weeks later, I called her and I said, hey, I think that's the right fit. How do I apply? And that's how I ended up here. Wow. That's yeah. Awesome. Well, Sydney, you own uh, Almost Famous Popcorn here in Cedar Rapids. And uh, I, I have indulged in your product many a time. I'm so um, glad to hear I'm, that. I'm super boring, though. I will admit it. Because Almost Famous has some of the coolest, like, like some really, really out there flavors. And I'm still the boring guy that's like, oh, they've got the buttered popcorn. We're going to do that. <laughs> I've got to be honest. That's one of my favorites as well. Okay. I feel better. I feel better because that's always what I go for. And everybody makes fun of me. They're like, there's all these variety and you're getting what you could get anywhere. And I'm like, but theirs is really good. I yes. want that one. So. And it is the go-to, uh, and this was something new to me when I moved to Iowa as well, is the go-to popcorn, uh, the cheddar popcorn and just the regular you know, popcorn. you'd be surprised. Well, the caramel cheddar mix is definitely our biggest seller. Oh, that's what it is. We've yes. got some really popular ones that are pretty out there. Our poppy chow, which is our iteration of puppy chow. It's the best um, name ever, popcorn by the way. popcorn we'll and Chex Mix. Yeah, <laughs> that one is by far one of our biggest sellers, not just in Iowa, not just in the region, but expanding nationally where people don't even know what puppy chow is. Wow. Yeah. Wait, that's there good. are people that don't know what puppy yeah, chow is? Yeah, I, I found that out. It was a... Uh, a little bit uncomfortable, but yeah, there's a lot of people that didn't have that uh, that ability to grow up with puppy chow in their life. So we're trying to bring that to them now. You yes. doing the you are, doing the world's work. You are doing yes, mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> this is this is important work that is mm -hmm. helping everyone. <laughs> Thank you for the. So before we get into how you started uh, working with Cirrus, um, how did Almost Famous Popcorn come to be? I'm very curious to know this because, like I said, I've been a fan for a while, but I don't know how you started. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Almost Famous, as it exists today, was never really meant to come to be. We started as an experiment in entrepreneurship when my younger brother Carter and I decided we wanted to open businesses at 11 and 13 years old. Uh, we started inside the Nubo City Market here in Cedar Rapids. Um, right when the market opened, we were two of the first stands uh, to open up. 
with just small popcorn and ice cream stands. And we thought, hey, this would be a great opportunity for us to learn a little bit about business, uh, maybe make a little bit of money before we go to college and, and just see what this is all about. Um, so we opened up there. And where the, did the name Almost Famous come from? So we actually didn't start with the name Almost Famous. Um, what a lot of people don't know unless they've been following us for a long time is this is actually our third name, probably our final name, um, but we've gone through a couple iterations. Um, when we first opened up inside the Nubo Market, we were called the Chill Ice Cream Shop and CR Popcorn. Uh, we, we ran with those names the entire time we were in the market until we moved across the street about a year and a half in to our own retail spot. And we changed our name at that point to Great American Popcorn Company, Cedar Rapids, because we were working with another great uh, family-owned popcorn company out of Galena, Illinois. Um, and while that partnership was going on, we operated under the same name before we um, ended up kind of buying ourselves out and going in a different direction. And Almost Famous was born. And now I bet the next question you'll ask is why the name Almost Famous. Am I right? Is any, anybody thinking that? I'm, I'm, just, curi I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah. Why the name Almost Famous? <laughs> Thank you. Excellent question, Rob. Um, so we decided on the name Almost Famous because we had just at that time been named one of the top five popcorn companies in the country by the travel agency Orbitz, along with some other pretty famous names. Um, some you might know out of the city of Chicago, pretty popular in airports. Um, Garrett's, uh, so, oh. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, we said, Hey, look, we're just as good, just almost as famous. And, um, you know, that name we kind of threw out there, it was catchy and we thought it really embodied, uh, the spirit of Iowa of, you know, we're humble, but proud and, uh, just kind of stuck and we didn't know how it would go, but, um, it's worked out really well for us. And we love hearing all the comments, like, when are you just going to switch to famous? And, you know, you say, if you, if you know Iowans, we're going to keep that little humble element of us, and we're, we're always going to be almost famous. Well, the, yeah. definitely more and more people are recognizing what you're doing. I mean, just last night, I think you, you were at the Corridor Business Journal, uh, fastest growing companies in the corridor, and I believe you were named uh, the f number four out of the 25 that were being honored there. We were, and that is such an honor for us. Congratulations. Thank yeah, you. that's amazing. amazing. Thank you. It was so much fun. Uh, this is our fifth time on the list, but the first time we've ever cracked the top five. Uh, so this is really, really important and such an honor for us. And um, it's great to see so many friends and, again, so many people that work with Cirrus, actually, that are growing and on that list as well and just seeing so much that's popping around the corridor. Hey, I love <laughs> yeah, that. I, I, I caught that immediately. I know. that's That was quite the kernel of wisdom getting thrown down. Wow. This isn't your first rodeo. We understand. <laughs> but no, but just listening to that story is just a huge testament as you kind of, of course, speak to the masses here. And if there are any young kids listening to this podcast, you can be an entrepreneur and you can be successful in the dreams that you are looking forth to. And becoming in this world. And so with that, it's not just a big ups to yourself, but also big ups to the New York City Marketplace for you be able to be in that that food entrepreneurial hub and just to be able to grow just from the people here in Cedar Rapids, but also to be able to push that out further. So congratulations to you. And I definitely appreciate you for sharing that story. Yeah, thank you. That was amazing. But hey, but what I'm most curious about is how do you two know each other? I'll start with you, Sydney. Yes, I'm going to give a shameless plug here in saying that um, our 
relationship with Cirrus, which I think we've been had a relationship for about a year and a half now, um, is the most transformative thing that we've done for our business. Wow. Um, maybe ever, uh, but definitely within like say the last five years. Um, we, I think, I was trying to think how I first met Rachel, and I think we. So oh, was you, I, and yes. I was failing. <laughs> I was kind of hoping she would know. No. Um, so I'm gonna say I think how we met um, was we acquired another popcorn company on the western side of Iowa in February of 2022, and when we first got into conversation with them on that potential acquisition. They recommended Cirrus. That's right. Rachel yeah. that is like, exactly that is it. That is it. Waving that finger. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is exactly what happened. And I went to the Cedar Rapids location and sat down with your parents. And three hours later, was like, we're going to be able to do some great things here. Nice. Um, and we have. Oh, we've done some really great things, and there's a lot more still to do. I met with Rachel just last week, and I think we came up with five to ten more items of, hey, here's where we could really help you. Um, so we have really found a lot of value in Cirrus being a fast-growing company who is quickly learning that we don't know everything, and we need a lot of help to um, not only harness the momentum that we have, but then you know continue to grow that. Um, and they have helped tremendously um, in professionalizing our business and really being someone that we consult can consult, um, you know, when we just have no idea what mm -hmm. to do next. Yeah. Rachel, <laughs> could you go into detail of like how, like how the partnership is and sure. how it's helping you scale and grow? Yeah. So, you know, Sears really specializes in businesses just like Almost Famous. We are small ish, not really small, but small-ish, but we have dreams of becoming something much bigger. Mm -hmm. And we help you understand what levers you pull to make that transition to a bigger space. Um, and so that's been most of our conversations is, here we are today. This is our goal for the future. Now, how do we walk our way to where we want to be? And not sprint, not run, not fall down, but do this in a way that is sustainable growth um, and helping prioritize all of those efforts because what we typically work with in businesses of that size is that their biggest constraint is time. They they don't have enough people to do all of the things that they want to do at exactly the same time that they want to do them. And so understanding how to sequence those things so that you stay in business, which is very important, um, and also can fund future growth, that's where our sweet spot is. Nice. So, Rachel, I was having a, a conversation with you uh, before we recorded this this episode, and you said something that kind of stuck with me. Um, you said that small and medium-sized manufacturers build strong communities. Uh, can you elaborate on that? What did, what did you... What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've been in this role for about two years. I cover the state for food and animal feed manufacturing, which means that I have seen parts of Iowa that I did not know existed prior to this role. And what amazes me is I will go and I'll find a phenomenal company in Northwest Iowa to remain nameless. Um, but I get there and I realize that they, they employ maybe half the town, a third of the town. They're sponsoring all the baseball leagues. They're the ones that are helping fund the sewer and the water municipalities because they're the only industry in town that literally if that company wasn't in that town, 
that town would not exist. Hmm. And so especially in rural Iowa, it's just amazing to see these really well-built, well-run businesses be the backbone of the community for everybody um, to be successful off of. That's interesting. So that, that kind of makes me think about um, Nuboco's community partnership program that we have. And so, of course, with Sears focusing somewhat, right, on rural communities and helping them um, stay afloat, but also uh, maybe be on that innovative edge uh, to stay up with all the other communities. And so, of course, I know you guys know about our community partnership program, so I'll elaborate a little bit. And so with that, um, I sit on that, and also David Tominski, uh, he's our, is it, I don't want to mess that up. <laughs> CRO, Chief Leadership Officer. Okay. I got it. There you I go. I not forget. Um, but with that, we are looking for rural communities um, that need that extra push. And also there's other communities that look at Nuboco and say, hey, you all are in the innovative space um, and somewhat in the economic development space. Like, could you come and help out our ecosystem? And so they look at Nuboco and look at our different programs and they say, okay, hey, we think that we think this program, and I'll just say Delta V, our code school, should be implemented in our ecosystem. Um, and so with that kind of process, we help push it, but we also help bring somebody within that community to basically run it so we can step back and say, hey, we helped you all out. And so it's just that collaboration piece, but also like what you said, like helping out these communities that are the backbone to our community that we literally just don't don't think about. Right. Um, and so so that's interesting, and I appreciate Sirius. Uh, and also your passion. I can definitely feel it uh, <laughs> for, of course, helping out those communities. Yes. it's. I truly enjoy connecting with owners like Sydney where, um, you know, our conversations evolved from standard teams meeting with agenda and, you know, goals and things to, hey, let's get coffee. And then really understanding and having a lot of confidence and trust in that relationship that we're going to be able to not only give you great advice, but keep confidentiality and, and really um, protect what is unique about your business. For sure. And then also when you kind of um, talk about Sears, like could you focus just a little bit about just the biggest challenges when it comes to scaling and manufacturing? Is there anything, could you um, give us just some examples, please? Absolutely. So I would say it's kind of twofold. Um, and many other things besides these two, but the two biggest ones that come up, typically employees, um, people struggle to find and retain the talent that they need to run their business. And then if they choose to automate, which I'm a big proponent of, finding the right talent to manage that automation turns into a problem too. So um, people is what it boils down to either way you go. And that's something that we've been helping with in a couple different ways. We have a phenomenal workforce team as part of Cirrus that helps with everything from K through 12 outreach to job descriptions to um, policy and handbook creation. But then we also have an automation team that helps you scope automation that's appropriate for your workforce so that you're not bringing in a three axis robot when maybe we haven't rolled out email to everybody on the floor. So helping you again, walk your journey to where you want to go instead of sprint and fall on your face. For sure. And I don't know about you, Rob. I mean, I guess it's just me because I'm on the sponsorship side. But as soon as I heard K-12, I was like, well, Nubilco has a K-12 department. Let's talk about Let's this. Let's talk about it. There oh. have been so many <laughs> shameless plugs today. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I had to, man. 
You know, something else that ha- we've, it's really weird how this always seems to come up whenever Anthony and I are, are co-hosting is uh, automation and AI. And so as soon mm-hmm. as you started talking about, uh, you know, how you're, you're a proponent of automation, you know, a lot of people are talking about AI and what impact that's having on the workforce. But at the same time, like you said, employers are struggling to find people. And so I'm just, I'm curious when you talk about automation for small businesses, um, it, are, are any of the conversations happening right now about AI and things like that entering into this? Are you, are you having any small businesses that are actually finding programs that are helping them be more productive? As Rachel smiles. Yes, because we get the AI question a lot. And the answer is we're still working to wrap our minds around it, too. I think that there there is so much that we don't know about AI and where it makes sense to deploy in places like marketing and advertising or predicting your fall demand. And how do you buy ingredients for that fall demand at the time that their prices are lowest? Like all of those predictive tools um, exist how accurate they are, how cost-effective they are. All of those are questions that we haven't wrapped our minds around yet. It just hasn't had enough time. Um, it's funny, we as a staff will frequently use chat GPT during staff meetings for exercises just to get more familiar with the basics of AI to say, okay, well, what will it do? And every time, it's better. And mm. that's just wild to me. Sydney, I see you nodding a lot. Have you done anything with any of these programs at Almost Famous? We're still p- pretty elementary with it ourselves, but are definitely keeping our eyes open to it. Um, and I think I get more and more emails in my inbox every day saying, hey, use AI to do this, use AI to do that. So we're optimistic about um, what it could potentially do for us. Um, but again, we're still kind of walking and trying to figure out what that means, I think, along with the rest of the world. So the the first thing what I think about is, if I were you, and I'm sure people probably have asked you to do this before, is type in just the, the craziest but most tasteful popcorn ever. And then see what it, see what it turns out. And that could be your next popcorn that you can call the Better's Popcorn. I love it. We have done that before. Uh, I will Speaking say of that. shameless <laughs> plugs, wow. <laughs> the Better's Popcorn. I'm I just saying. I, I think my name, like that last name, could just just go in. <laughs> that would sell it. We probably need a picture do. of your face on the front of the back. Ooh, though, back. So. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. It. it was sell hundreds. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I meant thousands. I mean, yeah, yeah, I was like, we might need hundreds. a few more than that, but <laughs> but no. But hey, since of course we're of course Canada kind of talking about that. So what is I'm talking to you, Sydney, for the listeners to know what is uh, best about working here in the Cedar Rapids area. I don't know why I couldn't think about what I was about to say about that. So <laughs> yeah. My fa- so my favorite thing about yes. living and working in Cedar Rapids? Correct. So, yeah, I'll preface that a little bit by saying I grew up in Cedar Rapids, um, but then I moved out to California, the Bay Area, for four years for school and then lived in um, Chicago for my first job for a year and a half out of college. So I've been other places, kind of gotten to experience different things um, and made that choice to come back here to Cedar Rapids. And a big reason behind that is just because this community is so supportive and I feel like I can do anything that I want here and change the world from right here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um, So I think that that sense of support that sense of excitement of, you know, community, the community supporting small businesses, really being there to rally behind you is something I have not seen or experienced anywhere else. Um, and it's just so cool to be able to have that. Why do you think that is? What do you think that support comes from? 
I think there's a lot of reasons, and um, but I think a lot of it is rooted in this is a place that has gone through a lot of things together, you know, from a flood, more than one flood, but, you know, the really bad flood in 2008, a derecho, you know, whatever Mother Nature could throw at us and then some. Um, we've experienced these things together and the community has seen that in order to have these great small local businesses survive, um, especially in any climate, but then a climate that has things like that happen to it, um, they really have to support and and be there um, behind those businesses to Mm. keep them around. Yeah, you could definitely just cut and edit what you just said in the sense of people being able to move here to Cedar Rapids. Um, So that definitely speaks testaments to Cedar Rapids. But also, I remember um, on our podcast with the mayor, she was talking about a making Cedar Rapids, of course, in a welcoming community, but also it is okay to leave Cedar Rapids, you know, for a little bit of experience, certain things, and be able to come back and be able to uh, invest in your community, of course, that you love. And so, so yeah. Well, yeah, it puts things in perspective too, you know, because if you have, if you've never left Iowa, Mm -hmm. then you don't know what's out there. Right. But if you have, and you've, you've lived in other communities for a while, and then you come back, you can compare and either be like, hey, this is for me. I never knew how good I had it here. I really love this. Or, you know, I've been to these other places and I've kind of seen what other people need and I feel like we could cater to that need from here in Iowa. I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about technology and where we are now is that there are so many businesses that you can have be national even though you're doing it all from here in Iowa. Um, I mean, that was a lot harder to do even a decade ago, but there's so many options that have opened up. Um, now, something that we keep hearing about a lot in innovation is how do you do more with less? And and obviously automation factors into that. But, um, but Rachel, you've mentioned that collaboration between businesses is one of the newest innovations that you've seen. Can you talk more about those kinds of collaborations and other innovations that you're seeing? Absolutely. You know, I think collaborations between businesses is not a new thing, and I'm, I'm not pretending it's a new thing. But what's interesting is everybody went through COVID, and a lot of businesses, especially manufacturers, were in a space where they could not make enough you know, demand was so high. We were in a place where everybody recognized that, man, there could be outlets for their product that they weren't aware of. This was a new distribution channel, like all kinds of things changed. And we really came out of COVID, out of that scarcity mindset where people thought, you know, there's enough consumers for all of us. And that maybe if I start having conversations with people that also distribute through Shields or are also producers of or major users of egg products or whatever that might be, perhaps there's ways for us to both unlock capacity or both unlock savings. And, you know, I don't have to compete with them. We're in the same space, but we're not competing with each other. And I've seen that happen on a co-packer level. I've seen it happen on a storage level. You know, I've got space in my freezer and you're out of space in your freezer. How about you rent from me? Um, Especially when freezers were like 18 months for delivery. Mm. Um, We've seen it in terms of ingredient sourcing and leveraging and a lot of distribution channel. Uh, And that hasn't come to fruition yet, but I think it's on the horizon where people start looking at collaborating to distribute their products to similar places so that not everybody has a truck on the road going to the Wilson Street Hy-Vee. Maybe there's one truck on the road going to the Wilson Street Hy-Vee. Sydney, is that something that 
Almost Famous has looked at at all? Any kind of collaborations like that? I'm very glad you asked. Um, we have, and I actually got coffee with Rachel last week, and we talked a lot more about it and potential opportunities uh, to even further these collaborations. I think what Rachel said about the pandemic um, is really important. A lot of us um, in kind of food production companies and companies in general, but I think I can especially speak for food production, realized there are enough customers to go around, so we don't need to be competing with each other. You know, we can work together and it's good for everybody. Um, so we have started looking at ways that we can partner with people, especially on the distribution side, which um, is our hardest part, um, especially in terms of finding employees to do that. Um, we're going to get started here kind of in the next couple months with a couple other local Iowa companies um, where we can really work together and I think um, make a big difference that way. Um, but collaboration is really important and I think it's growing and it's, it's really cool to see that. I've even seen models where two businesses that are within 20 minutes of each other will both recognize that they need half of a mechanic. They don't need a whole mechanic. They need half of a mechanic and they'll fund one together. So the guy splits his time or gal splits her time between both places. And now they have a maintenance staff that can support the automation that they purchased. Um, that's, that's new. That is not something that you saw five years ago. Yeah. And it's allowing for new opportunities that you couldn't do by yourself. Um, so there, I think, is a huge amount of potential uh, for companies, especially in the state of Iowa, to continue to work together and explore that even further so we can do really cool things with not as much. Yeah, nice. And then, of course, as I hear both of you all talk about uh, just your relationship, that goes, that's a testament to Sears and just being um, so personable, right? And so is that always how you all operate for each company that you're with? It is. So the way that our model is, we have strategic advisors. I, like I said, support the entire state for an industry, but the five other strategic advisors each cover a territory for industries outside of food and feed. And we all came from industry. So we all have practical experience with doing the work and the reality of manufacturing. And I think that and also coupled with the fact that we all genuinely want to see these businesses be successful, it's why you come work for Cirrus, really helps with these relationships. Mm. Um, I have met so many people, none as cool as City, but <laughs> so many people that are almost as cool as City um, in this job. That it's just been amazing. You're going to have other businesses who, are, who you work yeah. with oh, and I listen know. to this and they'll be like, hey. Well, this yeah. is how I'm going to know Sorry. if anybody does listen <laughs> <to> <laughs> Yeah, I was just a test, you guys. Yeah, I just wanted like to know if you were listening or not. Calls. That means they're listening. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, no, it's just been such a great experience for me. Yeah. And if I could jump in and just say, you know, we are a family owned business. My brother and I started this, but our parents came in uh, with us pretty quickly after. So we have a pretty tight knit management team. Every single person, especially Rachel, um, but every single person that we've brought on to help from Cirrus feels like another member of the family and cares like they're another member of the family, not just somebody coming in to consult and say, hey, do this. They genuinely care about how we're doing and where we're going. Um, and that's really important because you don't always find that when you bring outside parties in. Right. Having family close by is definitely important. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you talk about family, like I just go back and think about just your story that you have with you and your brother. Uh, being in the Nubo City Marketplace. So I'm curious of kind of what revenue that you guys start with and to now, where are you here in 2024? Yeah. Um, so we, when we started, you know, 
pretty, pretty tiny. We were mm-hmm. open three days a week, mostly after school and then on the weekends. How old were you when you when you started? Um, so I think earlier I said 13. I think I misspoke. I was actually 14, if I really do the math right. And my <laughs> younger brother was 11. Um, so it was really just small, kind of get us started. But at the time, that felt huge to us, you know. And I think that that's been the interesting thing as our company has grown along every milestone, it just feels really big. And then we top it and it's like, wow, we never would have thought that was possible. That's pretty cool. And it's definitely very cool to be able to experience that as a family together. Um, So started pretty small and now, um, not to throw out exact numbers, but uh, I'll say employees. We've got over 50 employees across the state of Iowa, wow, which wow. again, when we started, it was me and my brother and a couple of my friends I could hire because his friends weren't old enough to to have jobs yet. So <laughs> it yeah. was filled with my high school friends, and uh, which worked out well sometimes, not as well other times. But um, for us, that's been a really big jump. And um, yeah, at, at each, each iteration, it's just kind of crazy to get there. Right. And then you say across the state of Iowa. So could you... I don't know if you know off the top of your head, but where is each Almost Famous Popcorn? Oh, yeah, I could tell you. So, yeah, all of our employees right now are split between Cedar Rapids, where we have our retail store in the Nubo District, but also an 8,000-square-foot factory on the west side of town. Mm. Um, So that is probably 75% of our workforce spread between those two locations. And then um, I mentioned earlier we acquired another company in 2022 in Sac City, Iowa, and that has the other 25% working in a roughly 20,000-square-foot production facility over there and that is um that facility is much heavier on the automation and i'll mention just because we've talked about it quite a bit i think sometimes the word automation feels kind of dirty to people because it feels like it's taking people's jobs Mm. Um, but we what we've really been able to see with that facility is it's really empowering people and putting people into different roles that oftentimes kind of challenge them and better ways and um, can really contribute a lot to communities. Um, So that's been interesting for us um, through that acquisition, seeing how can we get a lot more done with fewer people, but in better roles. Hmm. Wow. So Rachel, something that you had said uh, when I was talking to you before is uh, when we were talking about sustainability and you said, if it doesn't make a business case, it's not sustainable. Can you elaborate? Absolutely. Sustainability is one of my all-time favorite topics um, because it's everybody's favorite topic. But the reality of this is I have a lot of clients come to me and they talk about sustainability. And it's the buzzword. And they say, my consumers care. I say, okay. About what? Your carbon footprint, your emissions, your employment habits? Like which part of sustainability do they care about? And typically owners don't know. Um, it's a hard thing to know. Most people don't know. Um, I'm not even sure as a consumer I know. And so we usually backtrack from that and we say, all right, if we think about sustainability from a foundational level, let's say you've never thought about it before. The first part in my mind about sustainability is eliminating waste. If you can cut things that go to a landfill, you're ahead on the sustainability phase, but you're also ahead on the cost base. Hmm. If you don't buy it to throw it away, then you're buying it to put it in a bag and sell. Popcorn is a great example. So in that case, we can talk about a sustainable move that is really a business decision that's going to help you. 
I look for sustainability to truly be another horizon within lean manufacturing. I think that if you think about lean manufacturing as the elimination of waste, whether that's physical waste or mental waste or um, capacity waste or whatever that means, and you think about driving that down, you inherently build not only a more sustainable business, but also a more profitable business. And so those things go together. If you are going to start pursuing a sustainability effort that costs more money and has no upside. So I think about things like I've decided my business is only going to use cage-free eggs. Cage-free eggs cost more. They cost more to produce. They're going to cost more when you buy them. You are going to have to pass that cost along to your customer. If you don't, it's not a sustainable decision because you won't be in business very long. If your customer can manage that and is looking for that as a priority in their life, wonderful. That's something you should pursue. If it's something you're passionate about, and this is just one example, then you probably need to find a customer base that's passionate about it too. So I guess that's a very long-winded answer of saying folks want to be more sustainable is what I've found in Iowa. That when I talk to businesses about sustainability, nobody's saying, no, I don't care about sustainability. That's that's not the conversation. The conversation is I don't know where to start and I don't understand what it means. And typically what we say is let's look for waste. Let's look for other elements of your product and making sure that they align with who you are and as a company and as a brand, having a recyclable package, all of those types of fundamentals, and make sure that we can make a business case for all of those decisions. Hmm. And then, so of course, as you elaborate on that, I'm so curious of um, how is Almost Famous Popcorn uh, been able to get that sustainable side of things to be able to help them grow? Yeah. And I mean, like Rachel said, it can be difficult as a business owner because you're trying to do so many other things first. And sustainability is incredibly important, Mm. but sometimes it doesn't go to the top of the list when there's other really pressing business cases you have to take care of. Um, So for us, it's been, again, kind of like Rachel said, looking at little areas where how can we decrease this waste? How can we do this differently um, to kind of get those small wins that in the long run add up a lot? So one of the really cool things um, that we've been able to do up in our Sac City facility is there's a lot of popcorn, perfectly good, you know, fine to eat popcorn that goes to waste at different points of the process just because it falls through different pieces of equipment. Now, we're not going to put that back out to humans, but... What we found is because, again, it's perfectly safe, collected in a safe way, we've been able to donate that to local farmers and they use it as feed um, for their animals. And that's been, you know, just a small way that we've been able to look at our process and say this doesn't cost us really anything to do other than to have a bin um, there and to make sure that we are collecting this in a safe way. Um, But that makes a big impact and, mm-hmm. and makes a big impact on the animals too. Cause do you realize how cool you'd feel if you were on a farm and you were like, you know, the other pigs, man, they just get oh. like regular feed. I get almost famous get popcorn. Almost famous right? popcorn. That's, that's, that's how much my farmers on. care. <laughs> yes. And yes. Then what I think about that too, is that is there a particular kernel 
that you look for in creating your popcorn or is that just universal? Yeah, so there's different popcorn kernels um, that we use for different kinds of popcorn. Like mm. our buttered popcorn is all made with what's called a butterfly kernel. And that's why if you ever try it, it's a little bit more delicate, kind of lighter, um, not a lot of hole to it. So it's it's a very um, kind of pleasant popcorn to eat without a lot of um, coatings or toppings on it. Mm. The rest of our popcorn is made with mushroom corn and um, we could get further down the line into that and into everything about um, never heard know, of it right yeah it's the one it's the kind that if you popped it at home and you threw a little butter on it you'd probably go that doesn't taste quite right it's a heartier popcorn and that allows it to go through the coating process and not fall apart and break into a million pieces um, but it makes it really good when it's gone through all of that um, so even from there you can get into you know where's the popcorn grown what's the moisture level at the time that it's grown um, there's a lot that goes into popcorn Corn, a mm. lot more than I than I ever knew. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, there there are so many different flavors. Um, what is the process when you come up with an idea for a new one? How like if you're like, oh, what if we tried this? Uh, how do you do that? Honestly, it's mostly our employees that um, the ones that are in there making the popcorn every day and have a lot of time to think about it and talk about it and say whoa, what if we just changed this? Or what if we tried adding that? And we try to give everybody quite a bit of agency. You know, if there's something they're really passionate about trying, we'll try it. We're always more than happy to taste test. Yeah, um, so so I was going to say, if you definitely need a taste tester. <laughs> I know where outside, to find you guys. You know, third party. <laughs> Dude, we are almost right next door over That's at Nubico. We could set up, we could set up a sustainable system <laughs> of go. taste testing mm -hmm. where every day we're, you know, we could, we could keep this up for a long time. It'd That's be amazing. Perfect. I I'd agree. Actually, Nubico employees just went to Almost Famous Popcorn yesterday. Oh, good. Yes. Reason being is because, I don't know if you remember this. Yes, you were in oh, line, yeah. Rob. Oh, yeah. Uh, we were waiting to get some soft-served soft served ice cream downstairs, and the machine broke. Oh, no. And so we were, it was like, like we had our own McDonald's. Mm, the I was going to say, <laughs> I didn't know there was Never a McDonald's worked. in your lobby. <laughs> and so just to preface that is that you all just don't sell popcorn. You sell ice cream as well. Mm -hmm. Could you kind of go into just maybe the different flavors or why it's called Almost Famous Popcorn and ice cream isn't involved in yeah. that? Yeah. So I will say we don't make the ice cream, which was a conscious choice okay. when we opened because we went... And this was pretty cool. Um, so again, I was 14. We went on an ice cream tour across the Midwest to find the best ice cream. So I got to skip school to go try different ice cream oh, nice. um, producers, which was awesome. And then ask me later about uh, ice cream training in school that I actually had to go through to make sure we were doing everything correctly. Um, but we realized very early on there's a lot of great places across the Midwest that do ice cream really well, and we are never going to be one of them. Mm. <laughs> it's incredibly difficult. Um, you know, just doing anything with kind of dairy in general is hard. So we yeah. said we'll stick to popcorn. And um, really the reason we've kept the ice cream in our our retail store here in Cedar Rapids is because it was the core of where we started. You know, we started half ice cream, half popcorn, and we saw people so excited to have access to premium hard scooped ice cream here in town. Um, so for us, it's important to continue offering that. Um, and it also brings a lot of people in to, you know, try popcorn, try different things that, you know, we're making, but um, also to kind of have fun and have a nice sweet treat. So yes. that's why we've kept it in our store. We offer 24 flavors right now. Um, 
some rotating so you never quite know what you're going to get and i'm actually i'll throw it out here we might even add one more dipping cabinet for next summer we'll see mm. um, so that would even increase our variety but it's all from the chocolate shop in madison wisconsin which is another long-standing family-owned company uh, the owner's like in his 90s now and he just recently i think stopped running marathons so i say wow. um, if he could do that while eating his ice cream then i can eat plenty of that and <laughs> it must be healthy so yes and so i have one request mm -hmm. and so of course when you talk about the, the rotations of the ice cream, my favorite, man, it's, it's not there anymore. Not that I believe it was the, um, I think the strawberry or something cheesecake. Oh, okay. That I will get that. My I will make favorites. a note. That one does rotate in and out, but I can make a note to see if it can be Ooh. there a little bit more consistently. Delicious. Just the... Just listen to me, listeners. It's just the the chunks of cheesecake and the delicious creamy ice cream that all come together. It's more so just chewing on the chunks of mm -hmm. cheesecake. I know. I'm like, okay, you need to stop in. doing that because <laughs> so, I haven't had lunch yet, and this is killing me. I know. I don't I even know if that's shameless either. So that's why I'm like, man, <laughs> I want some now. <laughs> like, I could really go for some of that. Uh, you know what? Uh, well, and I'll give you. I'm just. I'm just going to throw out a, a free idea here. Okay. Um, you could try a popcorn that is uh, flavored like KFC, mm. and you could call it Colonel Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> that was free. That is, that is for did me. Did that you. just come to you? It or, did. I mean, it did. Wow. It popped in wow. there. I was like, you guys were talking about ice cream, and I was like, oh, you know what you could do? Man. Yeah. Yeah. This is why. This is why I'm not the one who's running the business. Yes. When you said KFC, it went downhill from there. It did. <laughs> it usually. Yeah. No. I. Um, well. I, okay. Uh, aside from uh, terrible flavor ideas, um, what, what what trends do you see? Uh, for having the biggest impact on food manufacturing in the next five years? And that's a question for both of you. Um, I mean, we've talked about how much things have changed in the last five years. So what do you think is coming down the road? That is such a great question. You know, I think the wild thing about food, and we just did it, right? KFC flavored popcorn. Will it survive? Who knows? Um, no. But it's amazing Spoiler to alert, me. Spoiler alert, it will not survive. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing to me that people have been eating since people have existed. And we are still coming up with new food. And that's such a wild idea that this is, we still have, you know, employees that are like, hey, what if we did this with popcorn? And it's a new idea. And that to me is so much fun. And that's the really innovative space in food. Um, if I had to predict food trends... Sydney, what do you think? It's tough. It's like an interview question. Yeah, and yeah. like I go to kind of trade shows all over the country and snack shows, and it's a really hard job because mm. uh, <laughs> you, you get to try a lot of different food while you're at them. And it's so hard. Somebody's got to do it. Wow. Um, but <laughs> I see a lot of different things. But honestly, my complete just observation, one thing that I think is happening is for a while, people were really getting into, you know, how can I kind of cut down calories, be as healthy as possible? What I'm seeing now is people are still doing that. But instead of trying to find a snack that is maybe like ultra healthy, only contains these things, it's like they're allowing themselves to indulge. It's just not as frequent maybe as it was before. It's different. It's like I really want the good stuff made with real sugar, real butter, this and that. Um, and I'm going to give that to myself as a treat. Well, you know, the rest of my day is, um, you know, kind of healthy. So I think seeing kind of just people wanting classic real foods that they can pronounce on the label is mm. really 
um, just becoming increasingly important. Um, and I do think we'll continue to see um, kind of these trends of what are, are weird foods. Like your KFC idea might not be that far out there. People are... I disagree. Yeah, okay. Maybe not the <laughs> KFC idea, but... Uh, Way to be supportive, similar. Anthony. It's like, I'm, I'm sorry. so glad you have my back there. Everything else, but I just the, I don't know. I was thinking just about the chicken and then popcorn. I was like, no. Yeah, uh, maybe. Okay, maybe we'll table the KFC idea. But there's some <laughs> other ones. It's like you walk through the um, aisles of the grocery store and before you could only find like potato chips, maybe some buffalo flavored ones. But now mm. you're seeing dill pickle, ketchup, mm-hmm. and like that's in your mainstream everyday grocery store. It's not on some, um, you know, kind of small website of a company doing it, you know, who knows where. Like it's. That's becoming more mainstream. So I think people are wanting different. And and it's kind of like that shock factor of like, what is what is new and weird and kind of trendy? Right. Yeah. Because, yeah. of course, it's definitely important to stay on top of the trends because, of course, a lot of people follow those trends, of course. But now with social media, TikTok, Facebook and all that coming around, like, of course, my first thoughts or looking at these uh, Asian countries and just their variety of foods that people try here in America. And so could you touch on just the the social media impact, um, but also maybe uh, touch on the craziest food or thing that you sampled at a trade show? I'm so curious about that. Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) I'm going to have to think about that one. Um, But yeah, social media has obviously been a huge um, for our company, and then also a lot of the other, you know, food f- manufacturers that uh, we talk to. Um, for us, it's really about how can you create that experience, like you're tasting the popcorn, or f- can really feel like you know the brand without actually being able to do so. You know, it's mm. still a picture, it's still a video. At the end of the day, how are you going to tell that story and speak to people, especially when they're getting bombarded by social media all day, every day? So. It's important for us to be able to kind of showcase that, show you know what makes our popcorn different and taste so good, but also show the side of us that like this, these are the people behind the brand. This is why you should trust us and understand that like we are selling you something that's really, really good. Because um, I think that's super important, just in that whole sea of everything that you see on a day to day basis on social media. Now, the craziest thing. I've ever, okay, this isn't really crazy. This probably um, is not what you're looking for, but it was crazy to me being somebody that doesn't eat a lot of wasabi. Mm -hmm. So I went to the fancy food show in Las Vegas this past year, um, and I was walking the show one day by myself, and they have a whole section. uh, They have a lot of different sections. It's kind of things from around the world. And uh, the Japan section I kind of walked into, and um, these are people you know, coming over from food um, companies in the other countries. So oftentimes they don't speak English, and I'm there trying to figure out what they're – it's really cool – what they're offering but I was offered a sample and it was um a piece of ham and so I I went and ate the piece of ham I didn't realize I was supposed to dip it in the wasabi Uh so I just ate the the ham first and they were laughing at me and then uh, I panicked and I just kind of took the wasabi like a shot (laughs) yeah and then I just walked away completely straight faced um and then died in the corner (laughs) I didn't want to make any more of a fool of myself um so I think that kind of goes to show like and again that's that's not the weirdest thing I've tried wasabi is pretty um mainstream these days but just goes to show like how cool it is with all the different people from around the world that come to these shows not only to showcase their products but learn about 
the food that's being talked about and discovered here in America. Yes, and that out of everything that you do with your job, that is the most uh, envious that I am <laughs> of you. Uh, not to be at these trade shows, just trying the different different cuisines. And so for myself, I know I'm going to talk just a little bit, is about I would love for my family just to be able to travel more outside of the U.S. just to be able to try these di- di- like to be able to try these different cuisines. And so for myself, I love to cook at home. Um, and so I love like watching YouTube uh, to try to figure out like what different cuisines can I make at home that my family might, big might, uh, might like. And so, so yeah, so big ups to you with that. And it is just uh, pretty, pretty crazy that everybody from all around the world comes into one building mm-hmm. just to just like what you were saying, Rachel, um, create or come up with different inventions of food and yeah. flavors. Pretty cool. So uh, thank you both for yes, being here today. It. I have a question kind of to send us out, which is, um, Cindy, you've had amazing experiences, clearly, working with Cirrus. Um, Rachel, if someone else, if there's, if there's a, a, a small business owner who's listening to this that is like, wow, I should check out Cirrus. How do they do that? How does someone get in contact with you and figure out how they can partner with you? You can reach me at rhan, R-H-A-H-N, at iastate.edu. Yeah, let's go get some food. Yeah, I think popcorn. Done. <laughs> Love it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks so much to our guests, Sydney and Rachel, for coming on the show. You can learn more about Almost Famous at almostfamouspopcorn.com. And if you want to learn more about Cirrus, they are at cirrus.iowastate.edu. That's C-I-R-A-S dot I-A state dot E-D-U. Yes, sir. And also, if you love the show, please subscribe and leave a review. You can also visit our blog, nubo.co slash blog to find key takeaways summarized and detailed. This podcast is produced and distributed by Upload Media Group in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more information, go to uploadmediagroup.com. Yes. And finally, we would love it if you could consider a donation to NuboCo. Your contributions to our nonprofit help us to continue to serve innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs across the state of Iowa. To learn more, please visit nubo.co slash donate. Well, I'm telling you, Anthony, I was not kidding earlier. After all those like food descriptions you were doing, I need to go out and uh, whether I'm going to Almost Famous or uh, to the market, I got to get some food, man. Yes, get some food. But also what I can't get out of my mind is that you tried to pitch a KFC flavored popcorn to Cindy. You tried to pitch a popcorn <laughs> called Betters. Because it's Betters. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I can't top that. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>